It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This, 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 Fight Disciples. Welcome to podcast episode number 834. We are the Fight Disciples. This is your boxing review from the weekend. Just got lots to talk about. Knockouts galore. Weight misses galore. Who's getting who next? It's all coming up on the show. Make sure you stick around for it. Before we get stuck in though, make sure you subscribe. Fightdisciples.com. That's the website. If you want an audio feed and if you want a visual feed, if you want to watch us, you can do via our YouTube channel where we are trying to grow the community. Get yourself there. Even if you've already got an audio feed and you only really want to listen to us, if you can help us out by just going to the YouTube, hitting that button, subscribing, it'll just raise our visibility to the rest of the world. And hopefully other fight fans will come along, stumble across and say, who are these two clowns from the north of England? Go on then. Go on then, I'll give them a go. Let's see what they've got to say. Bosh. And uh, it uh, hopefully will grow the community there on YouTube. So Fight Disciples on YouTube is what we are. And you can also comment on the stuff on YouTube as well so you can get stuck in. And we do read them. Even if you are abusive, we do read them and we uh, we do our best to get back in. At the end of the day, opinions, mate, isn't it? Opinions. Are we, hang on a minute, where are you? For those that are watching on YouTube, have you have you changed your studio? What's going on? I'm actually at a, a new location today because, um, unfortunately, Pete Towers is internet free. The Wi-Fi, we woke up Saturday morning and the Wi-Fi had completely and utterly exploded. Oh, man. Um, and you know what? Like I've been watching quite a lot of like uh, end of the world movies recently. This one, like Cabin in the Woods, with Julia Julia Roberts as Wicked, and a couple of others, where like literally the, it's the end of the world, doomsday. And I swear to God, I got a taste of that in ours over the weekend because when you've got an eight year old and a nine year old whose life evolves at the weekend, not the midweek, it's managed, but at the weekend, life evolves around Fortnite and YouTube videos and everything else. The fact that we had no wi-fi whatsoever was absolutely mental you know what's that saying where it's like you know a man can go three days without food but you can't you know a week without food but not go two days without water before there's anarchy i swear to god you should have seen our house come saturday afternoon just an after, just one day of no wi-fi because no wi-fi means no tv because there's no analog anymore it all comes through your box so there was no tv either so we had no television, no Wi-Fi, no nothing. By Saturday mate. night, I swear to God, mate, by Saturday night, our house was like Lord of the Flies. You ever read, read or watched yeah. Lord of the Flies? Yeah. Who was, were, who was yeah. Piggy? Exactly. I was Piggy. I was getting stalked <laughs> by my wife and kids. People were killing chickens and spearing blood on their faces, marching around the house. There was open bonfires in the house and everything. Like, hey, 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 hey. Mate, it was fucking insane, honestly. Wow. 
absolutely insane. So, yeah, that has been like the weekend. Saturday was anarchy and then fine, fine, thankfully, sorry. Is it just your house or is it the whole street? It's just our house for some reason, yeah. So um, I've got a technician coming out this afternoon. So I reckon it's a fight disciple, mate. I reckon it's a fight disciple. I'm not happy with his scorecards on Scouse fighters. Fuck him. (laughs) He's not been on the show this week. Fuck him. Yeah, I'll, I'll go in instead. But the um, luckily enough, we'd arranged for the kids to have a sleepover because it was it's my birthday this week. So my missus was taking me out for a meal. We had a few drinks, everything else. So it wasn't too bad Saturday night. Then Sunday, oh. we found this like magic spot of like serenity. It was almost like a flashback to a scene from the Goonies. So I'm sitting there. I've got the wireless on listening to the Liverpool match because I'd spent the morning in my shed whittling away with a bit of wood. So I'd come back into the house for the Liverpool game, put the wireless on listening to Liverpool on the radio. Jane and Olivia are sitting there. They're making friendship bracelets with this craft box Liv got for Christmas. <laughs> Honest, it was like mental. It's on the prairie on Sundays, it was, man. Look it was incredible. And then, and then Alex had found this like neon drawing thing. So he's drawing characters from One Piece, which is all he talks about at the moment. And then having this globe thing. And it was like this mad serene, you know, moment from 1950s where just the wireless was on in the background and all the family were playing. And then no word of a lie out of absolutely nowhere. Right at the start of the second half, fresh cup of tea, blah, blah, blah. Alex just walked up with the remote control and like that. Boop, boop, and just sat there and put SpongeBob on, and I was like, "Why is it?" I thought the telly was broken. He went, "Oh no, this one works." And I was like, "Give me the remote, put it on." Fucking Liverpool was on. I sat and listened to it on the radio. I could have watched it on TV. So yeah, we had a little bit of television last night. Thankfully, the some some of the basic channels are working, but obviously the thing here, anyway, basic. chaos. Look at you, you you're so chaos. spoiled. So I know. Spoiled. The top five channels are working. The terrestrial channels are working. Terrestrial. The there you go, old school yeah. lad. There you go. Get like, on Sunday night. Get oh Bonsai on Channel Three. <laughs> the match is on ITV. Oh, here we go. Puts it on. Sensational. Yeah. So uh, what a week, honestly. The kids went to school this morning going, Dad, you promise we're going to have Wi-Fi when we get home from school? Will you promise? And Olivia was going, we're the only family in the world who don't have Wi-Fi. <laughs> I was like, calm down. Calm Jeez. down, everybody. The world evolved before the internet. Jesus. What are they like on holiday? Because sound. And midweek, like we manage it, it's not like they're on the stuff all the time. They're only allowed to have the iPad or, or yeah, 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 PlayStation yeah. at certain times. Like they don't don't usually have it on a Monday night because we have Ninja Club and whatever else clubs going on. So they mm-hmm. only have certain time. But obviously at the weekend when Jane's cleaning the house and I've got to go down to garden to do stuff in my sheds, pot around. Then it's a go on. Then you can go on, go on. Then you can play that for a bit. You've been to football. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, have a couple yeah. of hours of PlayStation. Yeah, get you. When that's removed. Like, people don't know what to do anymore. Children don't know how to entertain themselves. But as I say, we got that magic moment. Oh, my God. We're actually playing with stuff that we got for Christmas that isn't electronic for the moment. It's weird. Weird. Wow. So it's um, all happened. And then on top of all that, of course, I was fighting back the tears all the weekend because of the main man. Oh, mega, mega. Hey, did you see him yet? Well, you wouldn't have seen it if you'd have listened to it, but he was sat there yeah. in the dugout whilst he was singing You'll Never Walk Alone. Hey? Ta da, son. Ta da, lad. <laughs> On your way. He's not doing a Jordan Belfort. He's not doing a Wolf of Wall Street, mate. He's not doing that last <laughs> game of the season. I ain't leaving. He's off. Yeah, he is off, yeah. I listen, right. he is off. I just, I, listen, I hope it's just, it legitimately is. I really hope that it is 
that he's just exhausted and, he, and he's knackered. I hope that there's not yeah. m- nothing more to it. Fingers crossed there isn't. Well, the, the only more to it can be... Is he, uh, let's be straight. Well, that's it. Oh God, I just yeah. thought that that's not the situation. Yeah, That's I'll what I was thinking. That's where yeah. my head was at. Oh, right. Okay. I, I went the other way with it because um, he does look tired, but he doesn't necessarily look ill. Hopefully... Oh, God, I didn't even go there. I didn't even think of that. But my mind initially went to... oh. Like like most football fans, oh god, what have the owners done? What have the owners done? Ah. Who's he sold it to? Where's the money coming from? Ah. Like you know what I mean? Because because his entire time there, Klopp is like, I've got an affinity with the people because I'm a socialist as well, and I'm all this, and my mindset and the scouts' mindset similar. And I was thinking that would bite his words because there was a lot of talk last year of a Netflix documentary, and yeah. Jürgen went, not on my watch. That ain't happening. Get the fuck out. No one's doing a documentary around me. And where did he force that through? And blah. Unfortunately, these days, it's no longer just about what happens on the pitches. If football, it's so political and financial and all that bollocks. But yeah, sad man, sad time. Premier League losers, mate. Not just Liverpool fans. Ah, oh, shut the up. League do it, it for do it for Jurgen, lads. Do it for Jurgen. Come on, let's get all four in this year, eh? Come on. Okay, right. The jar quadruple is on. Okay. Absolutely. And then. I've got more non-fight-related news. Oh, mate, people, listen. You know they're going to timestamp this in the comments on YouTube. They're going, uh, they start talking proper stuff in around about 12 minutes. Go on. Super Bowl, baby. We're going oh, to the Super Bowl. No. Sorry you won't be there, Mr. Mahomes. We'll see Mr. You Mahomes will in... be there. I know. I'm just going to say, Mr. Mahomes, we will oh, see no, no, you no. in Las Vegas in two weeks' time. Yeah. The 49ers, man, the revenge mission is on. Revenge will be sweet in two weeks' time. I, to be honest with you, I, I watched the uh, the Baltimore Ravens game, which was a belter first first half of it was incredible. Yeah, yeah. Uh, before they ran away with it, uh, I didn't I didn't make it up long enough to watch the 49ers. So I'm that type of fan. I'll t- I'll take it. Hey, we're in the final. Did I still have to watch it? No. Nope. Will I watch the highlights later? Probably. Incredible comeback. Well, go on. little promo here for the zone. You can watch American football live on your the zone app. As well, I think it's on Sky Sports as well. Yeah, well, where have you been all season? Yeah, <laughs> where the fuck I usually watch it on Sky Sports. I usually yeah. watch it on Sky Sports, or I didn't know it you can watch Sky it on Sky Sports, well. but the zone of the worldwide rights, so therefore, yeah. all the games, individual games as well. You can actually watch more games on the zone than you can on Sky. Yeah, so I'll be watching the full, I'll be watching, well, I won't watch the full game, let's be honest, but I'll watch the highlights later. I'm that type of fan. Up the Niners. Uh, right, you can stick your timestamp on this now. 11 minutes, we're in. We're going to talk about some boxing. Let's get rocking and rolling, ladies and gentlemen. Weekend, we had a bit of Belfast. We had a bit of Phoenix, Arizona. We'll start in Belfast, seeing as that, that was first up. Uh, main event, Lewis Crocker, Jose Felix. Um, can't talk about this. We have to talk about weight, uh, to be fair, mate. Um, Lewis Crocker uh, didn't make 147. What did you make of all this last week, mate? Well, to be honest with you, you know, when I seen it on a Thursday, <clears throat> I was I was shocked by it, a little bit disgusted by it. And then when I watched the fight on Saturday, I didn't enjoy it because it was a, it felt like a setup. It felt like Jose Felix had been set up to lose. It felt like the 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 Decision to not make weight or be three pounds overweight. And I know Lewis addressed it afterwards and said, well, you know, I came in and the board wouldn't let me make the weight and all that. I mean, that's bollocks. You've used that as a tool to not have to make weight where Jose Felix, as far as I'm aware, made weight. He made 147. 
At no point did someone say to him, listen, kid, you don't have to make weight. Listen, Lewis is going to come in heavy. And I get, listen, Lewis only fought eight weeks ago, just be the other side of Christmas. He had that great win. And then he's rolled straight into the Jose Felix fight. We sold it on Thursday. We said, great bit of matchmaking. Absolutely makes weight. Irish fans know who he is. British fans know who he is. He's just nailed Gary Cully. Okay, well, we, you can sell this guy as a credible opponent. Lewis Crocker, okay, he's going to have to be switched on. The guy's dangerous, blah, blah, blah. But what we didn't know is that Lewis Crocker and his team, in my opinion, decided, tell you what, we'll just go in with loaded gloves. We'll make a conscious decision not to make weight, not to kill ourselves on the scale, not to uh, get down and give Jose Felix some kind of relevant level playing field. We'll go in there because we know he's flying all the way over from South America. He ain't going to turn the fight down. We couldn't give a shit about the WBA intercontinental vacant welterweight belt that's on the line. We can't win that because we're not going to make weight. And I just thought, to be honest with you, it felt like a setup. And at the end, when Lewis Crocker puts in a magnificent performance and starts Billy walking around, my initial reaction was, you know what, Lewis? Fuck you, son. I'm not interested. You've set that kid up and you've delivered what you knew you would deliver going in and there's a weight division above. And then there's the audacity to go, oh, yeah, I'm a proper welterweight. Uh, you know, it was just the eight weeks and Christmas and it was the board's fault. The board wouldn't let me make weight. The board wouldn't let you make weight because you've arrived on fight week well over the parameters set within making welterweight. I think it was a conscious decision. It was a stitch up and it was a shithouse trick. And I'm not happy at all because I really like Lewis Crocker. I really like him. And I understand mm. if he sees this, he'll be pissed off and he'll say all kinds of shit, whatever. But I'm just disappointed because I wanted the city here going, Lewis Crocker, that's how you make a statement. Ready on the world today. That guy was dangerous. You've nailed him. The Belfast crowd were there in massive support. Oh, my God, something special is happening in Belfast. Forget about Billum Smith in Bournemouth. Lewis Crocker in Belfast. This is 20, boxing in 2024. Let's go. Put your foot down. Who's next? Big fights. Let's go. And instead of watching it going, poor Jose Felix got stitched up, man. He got stitched up. And I'm not happy about it whatsoever. So I won't celebrate the victory. I won't celebrate the performance. Although it was like going into a fight with loaded gloves. Shitty, shitty, shitty. Should it have been pulled? I'd have pulled it. But the ball, you know, at the end of the day, it's three pounds within. Is, is Jose Felix going to fly back home with no money whatsoever? I'm watching that kid put his, everything into that fight. He's got that big familiar, familiar family yeah. written across the back of his shorts with a big love heart. He's out here. He's flying the other side of the world to try and change his life. He did it once. He beat Gary Cully, got a great win. Oh, fantastic. No one expected him to do that on the back of a couple of defeats. And yet he comes back over and it's like, mate, I did it here last time. Tell him, you know, his family, oh, I'm going to change our lives. I can do this. I can do that. And he turns up. The guy he's fighting is three pound overweight. Guy's fighting looks like a completely different weight division. Bear in mind, bear in mind, it didn't sit right with me, man. It did not. Bear in sit mind, Jose right Felix has never fought at welterweight before. Exactly. He's a career. He's a career light. He's had a little bit of a flirt with super light. He's never fought at welterweight before. And there he is fighting a super welterweight. Yeah. Because Lewis Crocker's massive. He's massive at the weight. He always. He, he, that's why there's always been questions. Are, are you a welterweight? Yeah, yeah. I'm a welterweight. I'm a welterweight. I think they knew what they were doing. I think it was a conscious decision, and it doesn't sit right with me. And it's spoiled what I thought was a great card. A couple of really good match matches on here. This fight, I had no issue with it. Great fight. But as soon as he, in my opinion, decided to come in heavy and to completely tilt the, the scales in his favor, literally, and, you know, I, I was just... I, I, I'm gutted. 
Because I like Lewis Crocker, and I've never interviewed him, but you spoke about him. You said he's a diamond, blah, blah. And I'm like, this was the perf- take that three pound away. If he makes weight, if he does 147 and he does that to Jose Felix, I'm like, whoa, strap in, kids. This is where the party's at for 2024. But instead, I'm like, mate, that was a shit house trick. I'm not happy at all. Be interesting to see what the majority, what the fan reaction to it is, because you look at it. And you commend, obviously, five fights in 12 months. We want activity, don't we? We want people out and about doing their thing. And Lewis Crocker is absolutely one of those fighters to do that. The official line, as you've pointed out throughout the course of what you've just said there, is that he missed his catch weight. So, therefore, the British Boxing Board of Control said, you can't go lower than 150 come Friday. So, he, like you just said, he has that excuse to say, well, they told me to hit 150, so I hit 150. That 150 was also offered to Jose Felix, but if he decided to do 150, that means the championship belt, for whatever that is worth, that was on the line for this fight, Jose Felix would also be eligible for it as well. He wanted to try and win it, hence hitting, I think he just came in under the 147. Uh, 146.5, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and like I said, he's never been a welterweight as Jose Felix. He All his... Solid wins have been at uh, at lightweight, and he, he had that. He's had a little flirt with uh, super light. Um, so yeah, man, it is hard to get giddy about the performance. It's I know that you got you, you go online and you see people's reactions. Say, oh, what a knockout, viral moment, and you listen. I made the mistake of listening to a little bit of the commentary as well, and they didn't really make reference to the situation, no, which I didn't. think they which I think they should have done. You've got to be honest with your audience. You can't just talk absolute wham which is what they were doing. Um, as you've just said, my experiences with Lewis Crocker is that he's a top fella. He's a good fighter. He's exciting. I want to see more of him, but you can't get giddy about this given the the conditions that uh, that led to, obviously, Saturday night. Yeah, I just, I just feel so sorry for Jose Felix because at, at the end of the fight, when they were standing there and Marcus McDonald grabbed both their hands and, and raised Lewis Crocker's hand. Just watch, if you do go back and watch it, if you've not seen it yet, just look at the body language on Jose Felix. Like It's like his entire world has crumbled. He put so much emotionally and physically into coming to Ireland again and continuing to change his life and get opportunities. So, honestly, I would love it if, and, and Eddie's a stand-up guy, I would love it if Matchroom gave him another opportunity Ideally, down at super lightweight in his proper lightweight in his proper division, like welterweight, ten stone, maybe even if he can nine and a half stone. I would love Matchroom to repay this kid by giving him something else. Now, don't get me wrong; I don't want him behind closed doors. Maybe Matchroom did have to go. Well, here's a few extra quid because he's three pound over. Maybe they did look after the kid anyway, but it just didn't sit right, man. It left a real sour taste in my mouth, and and, and you know what? When Lewis Crocker starts billy walking around the ring, I'm like, you cheeky. How dare you celebrate like that? How dare you celebrate like that when you, what you've done to that lad? How you treated him? Completely disregard. He's already moving up to come and fight you. He's already given you every advantage anyway. You're at home. You're the home fighter. He's coming up in weight. Everything else. And you have the audacity to turn up three pounds heavy. And then celebrating the manner in which you, you did, like, the, like you just want to win. Don't get me wrong, he's winning at home. He's front of the Belfast fans. This is nothing personal against Lewis Crocker. He's probably an absolute diamond. And talent-wise, I think it's going to be a great career he's going to have. But I'll always look back on this night and go, that was the night when you pulled a number on someone, when you pulled a little bit of a shit house trick, 
and left poor Jose Felix down in the dumps. You know, the body shot he dropped him with to finish the left hook. I'd love to be crowing about them now. I really would because they were both fantastic shots. But when you're going in there, in my opinion, in a, in a almost like a loaded glove situation with the card heavily stacked in your favour, you ain't getting no love for me for stuff like that. I ain't giving you any love for that. So, yeah, for me right now, that's a great... It's a win for Lewis Crocker, but it's a win with an asterisk that goes, mate. And again, appeal to Eddie, appeal to Matchroom. Do me a favour, put Jose Felix on another card over this side of the country in a fight in his actual weight class, please. And I'll be there with bells and whistles to support him. Do you put Lewis Crocker in with Paddy Donovan? Yeah, I would, because I think Paddy Donovan put in a tremendous performance, you know, and obviously Paddy was my one to watch for 2024. This was a great bit of matchmaking. Herrera, we talked about him coming in. We talked about how durable he was. We talked about him giving Paddy Donovan rounds. We also talked about him being a tough, gritty South American that may not let, allow Paddy to have it all his own way. After four and five rounds, I'm like, mate, this is the Paddy, Paddy Donovan show. And I will say the comms, great. I, I, obviously, we spoke before about Sonny Edwards and what he brings to that microphone. I think Sonny is it was brilliant. Him and Darren Barker really do work together well on those comms and I was really enjoying it for Paddy Donovan's great. And then after about five rounds, Herrera starts asking questions now and pushing them back and landing shots. And, and, put, and for the first time you see Paddy Donovan having to go backwards, Paddy Donovan <sighs> sucking in big gulps of air, you know? And I was like, right, perfect. This is what I want to see. The kid's 12 and 0 and look like a superstar. Hardly gets a mark on him. Now he's in a fight. Now, how does Paddy Donovan react now when it's on him, when the other guy's coming towards him, when he's probably lost a round or two? And then he answered that question with the big finish. You know, dropped him twice in that seventh round. Was that was Bob Williams jumped in a little bit early? Maybe, maybe. But I think by then, Paddy had got his second wins. I'd come through, I wouldn't call it a crisis, but a couple of rounds where he was asked a question. He's come through it. He's found the finish. That's the best win of his career, in my opinion. He looked great. Yeah, best performance, definitely, mate. Like you say, you want questions, don't you? Young lads coming through, you don't want them to just breeze all the way through and then they end up in something that's a little bit too big for them. You want to be asked questions along the way. He was asked questions and he answered that question. I would love, I don't know whether they will. I know that they'll they'll talk about it in the aftermath. I'd love them to do Paddy Donovan versus Lewis Crocker. That'd be absolutely yeah. massive. Yeah, yeah. I think it, it would be huge. I don't know whether they'll do it next, but listen, you never know with Eddie. At the back end of last year, Eddie promised us we're going to have proper fighters fight. in real fights. We're going to have proper fights. Right now, this is proper fight stuff. Also, you had Connor Walker on this card as well in a in a with a big win with a third round finish. He's a uh, welterweight as well, so you could do Connor Walker against either of these two guys, also, or maybe even Connor Walker against Jose Felix if he turns up at one forty seven. So, so yeah, it was an interesting card in that regard. You were right with Chevin Clark, though, kid. It's good, isn't it? Uh, what what impression? I mean, oh, I, listen, I've, I've, listen. I'm high on him, and I've seen, I've seen enough of him and studied enough of him to to know exactly where this is going. What 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 did you see at the weekend that you were impressed by? Um, I I think from what I've seen so far in the pros, he looks like a little bit of a wrecking machine. Big, powerful hitter, pulls forward, but in this one, I think we've seen a little bit more technical. From him, we've seen that he can use his feet well. He does mm. kill, cut off the ring well. 
And he doesn't just throw for throw and see. I'd seen a little bit more intelligence from him. And I think that's down to the fact that Tommy Carthy, McCarthy himself, okay, he hasn't got the best pro record, Tommy, but he's been in He's been in with big opponents, that's why, and he's and he's put in some good performances, but he's lost against what you would consider world-class fighters or European-level fighters. And I think this was a great bit of matchmaking right now because I was like, oh, no, well, this could be a 50-50. Hmm. But in the opening minute, Jevon Clark landed a peach of a left hook, and Tommy McCarthy's got a great first, chin. First shot, wasn't was it? it? The first shot, that left well, hook, he... when he just went, bam! Yeah. And phew, rattled his head everywhere, and that set the tone for the fight. Straight away, Chevron Clark was like, I ain't here to fuck around, kid. You're getting it put right on you from the very first bell. This ain't no, you know, fencing match. This isn't the amateurs anymore, baby. I'm going to let big shots go and I'm going to ring your bell. I think from that moment on, Tommy McCarthy was in survival mode, you know, and I think even though Tommy had some good moments in the fight, yeah. the Tommy is, he's not that big a puncher and after to be at this weight, you've got to be able to punch. I think Chevron Clark proved that. But also, I just thought that technically he looked a lot better than he has before. Ticked a few boxes. This was the right fight at the right time, the right win at the right time. You know, Tommy McCarthy in Belfast mm. was always going to be a question. And that Chevron Clark answered it. Tick, tick, tick. Yeah, man. It's going to be so interesting to see how this now plays out because boxer, promoter, have the majority of what you would class as the big uh, cruises in, in, in the UK. Obviously, they've got a world title in the mix as well with Billum Smith currently holding that. We're told that it's going to be React Poor next for him. You would anticipate that that's probably going to be Bournemouth. Yeah. Um, in that mix as well, former world champion Nicole is going to make a comeback at, at some point, isn't he? And as we highlighted last week, the other guys in the, 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 in and around it, Jack Massey made his comeback last week. You've got Vidal Riley yeah. who's making some noise. Again, these are all boxer fighters that I'm mentioning here. You've got uh, Jordan Thompson, who got his opportunity uh, against uh, Jai Pattaya. And Ellis Soros also had his uh, opportunity against Jai Pattaya. Those two are Matchroom and Queensbury, respectively. Mm-hmm. So there's you, 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 you look at where this could go for Chev Clark. Um, and I don't think he's going to get anything as a voluntary. He's going to have to earn all of his strikes because... When you talk about the noise and the pop in the, in this particular division, he hasn't had that. Even though he's come out of Team GB and a brilliant amateur, he hasn't had that pomp and ceremony. And as I said on last week's show, it's probably because he's not on a platform that's given him that pomp and ceremony. Whereas the others are on Sky Sports, aren't they? So we know more about the other people. He's, I think he's going to have to get to a point where he becomes uh, the mandatory challenger. Now, I said on last week's show, he's the number one with the British Boxing Board of Control. Isaac Chamberlain is the champion there, isn't he? That's a brilliant fight. If they can get that mandated, that'd be ace. But from an Isaac Chamberlain point of view, he's number one with the EBU. So I don't know if he's going to be looking that way when he's got an opportunity to maybe try and become European champion as well as uh, the British Commonwealth champion after beating Mikhail Lawal. So he's going to go after Mikhail Sislak, probably, isn't he? So if that title then becomes vacant, listen, Chev Clark for a vacant British title, that should be his next move, in my in my opinion. I, I don't I don't know where you're at because I don't think he's going to be given the opportunity to jump in with the, the the guys that are connected to the other promoter as of yet. I don't think they're going to put Chef Clark on on their show or bring somebody over because for me, like I said last week, I think he could be the best of the lot. Yeah, I think it's uh, I think you've got to figure you've got to 
kind of forget about the ones who are affiliated with Sky because obviously we've seen quite clearly that those guys um, don't really cross over into other promotions at the moment, even though they're, they're, that's where their world-class stable is. But what yeah, I've got going for them, Chev Clark, is the fact that Matchroom have got this relationship with Saudi Arabia and the Saudis like the big fights. They like the heavyweights. They like the big boys, you know, um, and that could really fall into because that means that there's financials there to get Chev Clark big cruiserweight opponents, which opens up the rest of the domestic division. I'm just having a little look down there now. There's names like Vidal Riley and um, Callum Johnson, who's back now, and people mm. like that. You know, why Ooh. is Callum Johnson? Is- oh, that's good. Callum, uh, yeah, I forgot that's about Callum Johnson fight. coming back. Yeah, I forgot about that. If Callum Johnson's going to stay a cruiserweight, you've got to ask the question of what's Callum Johnson back for? And if he's back for, well, either way, he's back for two, one of two reasons or both. Cash and titles. Well, title, both of those point towards biggest fight possible. I want the biggest potential fight out there. And you've got two former, you know, elite GB fighters there that could earn some good money out in Saudi. One who's fought for a world title at late heavyweight, former Batabiev opponent. One who's only early into his career, but is 33 years of age. I think there's a couple of real good fights that you could make there. So, yeah. I like Chev Clark. That's, that's you know, I thought that I had some questions that needed answering on Saturday night. He answered them and he answered them in style. And that's not to say I've got Tommy McCarthy on some kind of world-class pedestal. I'm not saying that for a second, but anyone that goes to Belfast beats up uh, Tommy McCarthy in that manner with that kind of finish and that kind of performance deserves a lot of respect. Yeah, good performance. Uh, Do you want to get to Phoenix? I just want to quickly mention the, um, the London Italian kid, that Giorgio Vicioli. That Sonny Edwards is looking after. <laughs> oh my God, mate! That's twice now. He's drops. He's like scored an absolutely magnificent finish. He had that big finish on his debut first round knockout, one shot, and now he's done a a second round one shot knockout as well. That kid's going places, man. Super talented, good looking young lad. Whirled at his feet. Got Sonny driving it for him. He's going to get, if he keeps doing that, he's going to get big opportunities on big cards because little guys don't tend to ice each other that often. Don't fool yourself. The Anuays of this world are few and far between. And if he continues to ice people like that, mate, it's not even just that either. You know, before I even watched him, I'd seen Bellyard reposted it going, this kid's going places. So when I went back and watched the boxer show, I went, I've got to go and see him. And I watched and then I thought, oh, I remember him. He iced the kid in the first round. And then you watch him against in in this in this is second fight, and he's just got such an attractive TV style. That long southpaw stance, big wide hands, electric fast right hand, but he just waits to throw that left hand counter. And serious opponent moving forward, he threw it through it two or three times, and it almost connected. And when it did connect, poof, lights out, baby! What a shot! So yeah, Vicioli, I'm gutted now. He's only twenty. I'm gutted now. Uh, I never got a text message. It's sunny at the end, start of the year going, this has got to be your one to watch. This kid's going places and he's going places quickly. Yeah. Viral moments. Viral moments. You look very good. Um, 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Jaime Mungia, John Ryder. Before I talk about Jaime Mungia, right, what's the ref doing, man? Come on. Why do you, why do you need the bell? Why are we ringing a bell to call a fight off, yeah? Fellas, all, you've got the corner on the apron. Where's the towel? Where's the thing in? You can see the lad's been dropped four times. He hasn't won any round. He's been pinged all over the place. Come on, ref. Pull your finger out your backside, man. Why are we? Why does the timekeeper need to be ringing the bell to warn you? We've seen enough. Fuck's yeah. sake. Yeah. He was. Um, I really like John Ryder, and I really feel for John Ryder because he's he's one of the good guys of boxing, and, and there are many. Don't get me wrong, but he's a have gloves, will travel fighter. If you look at his resume, mm-hmm. it's fucking ridiculous, you know. And a lot of it was done on the road as well. Um, and he's proven himself to be, you know, a genuine top 10 super middleweight. Unfortunately for John, you know, he's going to end his career with a nice big fat bank account with some incredible memories, fighting Canelo in fucking Mexico, fighting a bunch of scousers up in Liverpool, <coughs> winning at Ali Pali against the former world champion. Did you, you I know, got, he, I got, I got, I got, I got. Did you just say the highlights of his career? One, fighting Canelo, two, Fighting scousers. Is, is that, that that's that's the level. What hey, if you get you a fight in is. Liverpool, there's only one thing bigger than that, and that's Canelo in Mexico, mate. Yeah, that's fighting Canelo in Mexico. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't somebody get more abuse now for being scouse <laughs> Well, everyone knows it's scouse bias so who's, who's bothered. What I mean is you go down as his resume. He's had big fights, couple he's headlined in America a bunch of times, he's headlined in Mexico, he's headlined in London, he's headlined across the UK at various places. And when you look down his resume as well, okay, that was his sixth, seventh career defeat. Hmm. He's he's genuinely only lost twice. He's genuinely lost when he got clipped and caught and, and stopped against Luke Black against Blackwell. And he was winning that fight, by the way. And Nick, you know, there's an argument the ref jumped in, but regardless, he got stopped that night. And then the other one is was Canelo prior to this right prior to tonight. You know, the the both fights with in Liverpool, Rocky Field and, and Callum Smith were both really close decisions, heavily debated afterwards. The loss back in the early days against Billy Joe Saunders, I think he lost by a round or two. That was debated afterwards as well. There was a lot of talk of a rematch at the time and blah, well, from Ryder's side of things. They've all been close fights. He's earned some real good money. He's got he's got a great collection of posters and t-shirts. What a career he had. The only disappointing thing for John is he hasn't got a he hasn't got any meaningful title to show for it. Yeah. 
Three times is... he fought for the British title and three times he lost. Twice he fought for the world title. Twice he lost again. These are close fights and everything else, but still, he hasn't got that bauble on his mantelpiece. And for the career that he's had and for the fighter that he was or is, sorry, if he if he continues on, I just think that's heartbreaking, man, because there's a lot of people out there that never achieved half as much as John Ryder has. I just mentioned one or two of them then. And yet, you know, they're sitting at home with a lovely world title belt over the mantelpiece or whatever it might be. So I feel for John. I really do. Because his career has been enthralling. One of the most exciting of this period of British boxing out of any British fighter. But he just hasn't been able to get over that final line in a big fight. And now, unfortunately, with 27-year-olds like Jaime Munguia coming through, it it looks like it's passed them by. Yeah, 100% at world level. He's massively overachieved, mate, as, as John Ryder. And it's it just goes to show that sometimes good guys get good things. He's he is a good guy. I've met him a couple of times. Yeah. Fantastic to interview. Very softly spoken gentleman. Um, but when he gets in there, he's a workhorse, an absolute workhorse. Obviously, a lot of people like him. He's got a lot of mates when it comes to the promotion of getting him on certain cards. So therefore, that's worked in his favour, and he's got opportunities. Yeah, like you just said there, he fell short three times uh, challenging for British titles, but he got Canelo money. You know, and I'm I'm sure that. We'll look after him for for the rest of his life. If this is time, and if he does call time on his career, I don't think anybody's gonna, you know, begrudge him that right off into the sunset and uh, and enjoy that retirement and enjoy the next stage of whatever it is that you choose to do. However, I personally, given what you've just said, think there's at least one more in there. I'm not saying world level. He's proved that, listen, I'll go up, I'll have a go, I'll give it a good shake, but I'm just not at that level. Zach Chelly has just become the British super middleweight champion, hasn't he? By beating Jack Cullen last weekend. If John Ryder is going to have one last dance, give him that shot. Let him have a go at it. Oh, God, yeah, get the belt. Get the belt. Let him have a go at it. That's it. Let John Ryder have a go at Jack Zach Kelly and see if he can get over the line and finally become British champion. And I know, and I know, people probably watching, and maybe even maybe even John himself or and his management and his training team would, would go, "Ah, come back down to domestic level." But for every reason I've just said, mm. you know, John's got a lovely bank account, his, his kids, and hopefully his his kids' kids financial future is secured, especially if he invests it wisely. He's earned seven-figure paydays on more than one occasion, I would hazard a guess. Absolutely. So he's financially secure. He just hasn't got a bauble. He hasn't got a belt that is worth anything, let's be honest. And to come back and to fight Zach Chelly in London in a sold-out O2, the the last dance. This is John Ryder, the last dance kid. Or even Ali Pally. John Ryder's last dance, one last night, one last fight, win, lose, or draw, whatever happens here, this is John's farewell to boxing. And he wants to win that British title. The one that eluded him on three occasions in the past, he wants that belt before he signs off. You're telling me that's not a sellout. You're telling me that's not a main event in London this year. What a fantastic way to end his career that would be. Absolutely brilliant. I'm all in. I am all... We're making matches today, kids. I'm all in. That would be absolutely <laughs> tremendous. Tremendous. What a way to sign off. Let's just title held above his head. See you, kids. Go. There you go. Lovely. I mean, we're assuming that he's going to beat Zach Chelly, who was brilliant against Jack Cullen. But that's the fight. For me, absolutely. if he wants to have one more go, that's the fight. Make that fight happen. 
Um, in the opposing Mungia. corner. What do you make of right. This is the, mate, right? How many questions did we have on Jaime Mungia last week? Right? He's now 43 yeah. and all. And I still don't know how good he is. <laughs> There's two aspects to this and two aspects to my, my thought process. First and foremost, offensively, he's good. That's, he's I, good. I thought, he's good. Listen, offensively, we, we saw him at the weekend and he does a lot of things brilliantly. Those straight shots, his timing, very, very good. Beautiful to watch. And he did to John Ryder what Canelo couldn't do to John Ryder. He took him out, dropped him four times and took him out yeah. in sensational fashion. You've got yeah. to give that kid an awful amount of praise for that. But he doesn't half get cracked. He doesn't half, he doesn't half get cracked, doesn't he? Like them right hands, John Ryder it just hit him every single time he wanted to hit him. Now, I'm not saying that they hurt him. I'm not saying that he rocked him. I'm not saying he shook him down to his boots. He seems to take him. They weren't having too much of an effect. And maybe that is the reason why he thought to himself, well, fuck it. I'll just defend them with my chin because I want to get into range to let my hands go. It just does still leave a question that if you go in with someone that does have one punch knockout power, are they going to get you? Or maybe you've just got a, a steel jaw, mate. Maybe, maybe nobody can knock you out. I don't know. But there is still that question that when you you don't see the tightest of defences. You think to yourself, well, a better fighter, a world-class fighter, i.e. a Canelo, will absolutely stop that, you know? So I come away from it still impressed. Don't get me wrong. He stopped John Ryder. Tough as old boots, mate. And he and Canelo didn't stop him in his last fight. So you, you tick him. He dropped him. There was nastiness in there. His, his shot selection's brilliant. His range of shots is brilliant. Coming back the other way, you can see gaps. And I suppose that's what make, makes him such an exciting fighter to watch as a fan. You watch it and you go, well, it is bloody exciting to watch because you go, ooh, and then he dishes three or four back out. So I've still got questions over him, sadly, but I, I was impressed. Uh, to be honest, I, I was I was more impressed with that performance than I have been. Well, the Devlinchenko thing was amazing, but that was just the yeah. fight of the year. Let's all throw down. I was hoping for that because I thought that might give John Ryder one or two opportunities. I thought this was a much more mature performance by Monkey. He was a little bit more intelligent. He didn't just throw um, every time he saw an opportunity. He was a little bit more, he thought about it a little bit more. He slowed him down. And now that might well be the Freddie Roach influence, you know, Freddie mm. being one of the best coaches on the planet. Maybe that's what he just needed some, a new pair of eyeballs just to go, right, what you're doing has got you to this point. You're 42 and 0. You're a former world champion. You made six or seven defenses of that world title belt. You think you've completed the game. Well, I'll tell you what, you just got away with one with Devlinchenko. You can't beat everybody by just going hell for leather. Because at some point, especially as you go through the weight divisions, people are going to be able to take your shots and you're going to have to do and be a little bit more intelligent with your work. I think that's what Freddie Roach introduced here. So I think what we got was a Jaime Mungia in, in transition. A Jaime Mungia that's not necessarily between styles, but that is refining his own style. And I, after that performance against John Ryder, you're right. John connected on more than one occasion. There was a you know, round six and seven were probably John's best rounds. Did he do enough to win the rounds? I don't know about that, but he certainly was in the fight in rounds or, or five and six. Sorry. He was certainly in the fight in there for those couple of little rounds in the middle. 
before Mungia then obviously put his foot down and, and eventually got the finish. So I think what we're getting now is a Jaime Mungia who's about to become the next level and about to become something very special. Now, he's 43, you know? So people are like, what the hell? He's, getting, he's, he's improving at 43. You know, he's changing his game. Yeah, Freddie Roach is changing him slightly. And I think he needs another fight before Canelo. He's kind of, it's a blessing situation that he seems to be option three in the Canelo conversation, doesn't he? It seems like they're going to announce Charlo next and then potentially the Benavidez fight. And then potentially Mungia. I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing if you're Jaime Mungia because I think he still needs another fight. Don't get me wrong, I think Mungia Charlo is the fight to make. That should be the eliminator to face Canelo. Canelo should be going in with Benavidez. Mate, you know, right? We Everybody at the moment's all carried away on what's going on with Saudi Arabia in their matchmaking. Turkey Al Sheikh. He doesn't see barriers between promoters. He doesn't see barriers no, between he broadcasters. He's just doing whatever he wants, man. He's the king, doing whatever he wants. And he's giving boxing fans the fights that they want to see. So, therefore, people are looking at this going, oh, we can make this fight, we can make this fight. Yeah, if it goes to Saudi Arabia. However, Oscar De La Roya, he's been out there saying, hey, going to Saudi Arabia, that's not happening. We're not going to Saudi Arabia. We can make the fights here. And it... I don't know what Al Heyman's situation is, where he's whether he's coming forth or he's not coming forth. There are still boxing politics with these particular fights. So Jaime Mungir is a golden boy uh, fighter, right? At the moment, Canelo is connected to PBC. He's got that three-fight deal. He's had one of them. So he's going to see that out. There is absolutely not a cat and nails chance that Jaime Mungir is getting Canelo next. None. Absolutely none. No. Which is good. Can Good for Mungia. Yeah, from a Mungia point of view, that's probably is good. Canelo's probably going to fight the other Charlo twin. And then, as you just said, hopefully we're going to see David Benavidez by September. And then hopefully we'll see a Benavidez rematch. That's what I want. That's what I want, right? Because there's only one fight for Canelo. It should be David Benavidez. There's no point in having the Charlo fight. It's an absolute waste of everybody's time. It is what it is. Yeah. All right? From a Mungia point of view, you've then... Kind of got to think like what we used to think like with boxing, politics and broadcasters and promoters and how all this stuff starts to come together. You've just mentioned Charlo there. You're probably right. That does make an awful lot of sense. Mate, I genuinely think his next fight is going to be uh, Edgar Belanga. Edgar Belanga is obviously taking on uh, Padraig McCrory. Um, I think it's in March. I think it's in March is when he's, he's, he's doing that. Um but he's match room. It's definitely cute one, yeah. He's match room. Yeah. He's the zone. It's all that bollocks, right? That is where mm. I think that then mm -hmm. comes next uh, for, for Jaime Mungia. Um, you're probably looking summer to late summer, early autumn, something like that for that particular fight. Of which by that time, the dust might start to clear on this path towards uh, uh, Canelo, Canelo coming out of his PBC deal, because there's two more on the PBC thing. You won't, In order for Munguia to fight Canelo, Canelo needs to be a free agent. That's, that's how that fight happens. And that fight only happens in 2025. It doesn't happen this year. Yeah. Would you, I'll tell you what, here's what. Yeah, interesting. It would be interesting to see. I think it, I think it will be Belanga. I really do. The other option, and this might be too early for him. I don't know. Would you do Pacheco? Boo boo. 
Would you do Pacheco? If you're no, I'm I wouldn't do. Pacheco. I don't. Think... I'm thinking of matchroom fights. That's all I'm thinking. If you're Pacheco, if you're Pacheco's team, would you put him in with Mungia? Um, if I was Pacheco's team, probably not because he's only what is he 23, 24 still. He's still okay. only young. If I was Pacheco's team and I was offered Belanga, I'd bite your hand off for it. Hmm. I think that's more of a of a fight that I think the zone might make is because. Pacheco and Belanga in a very similar spot. What are they around 10 15 area? Whereas Mungia's Mungia's literally behind Benavides. And you know, you got Canelo, Benavides, Mungia, they're the top mm. three at super middleweight. Um so I would say more than likely, where's where's <laughs> I can't even believe I'm saying his name, but where's Bubu Andre these days? Is he still floating around super middleweight? Maybe that's the fight for Jaime Mungia. Abubu Andre, the former world champion at middleweight, is Caleb Plant a big risk? Again, you're talking again. It's that cross stage. promotion, isn't it? You're talking PBC fighters. Can you get them over? Because they want they're going to want these things yeah. on um, on the zone, aren't they? Golden Boy aren't going to let Mungia yeah. clear off. They ain't got too much. They've got Ryan Garcia and they've got Mungia. No, they're not going to go and let him go and fight on this new Amazon Prime deal for PBC. No. Which so it's puts them in, in a weird situation. Yeah, everything's going to be in-house. It's, mm. it's a shame, really, because there's some great fights that could be made. But I think it'll be in-house stuff. And you've got the selling point. With Belanga, yeah. If Belanga comes through McCrory, which I think he does do, you've then got the selling point of Mexico, Puerto Rico, aren't you? They love all that. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, I'm up for it. I think it's a good fight. I think Mungia's it's a big risk for Mungia, but I think technically, and I think I think Mungia's on a different level to Edgar Belanga, in my opinion. Technically, absolutely. On a but, level but you know Belanga bangs as well. That's it. So that's the, the power. Thing. Yeah, yeah exactly. He has power. So that's the that, that's the thing that creates the interesting uh, element of that. Um, anything else from uh, from the undercard there that uh, that got you going? No, nah, nothing really. Loads of, a couple of points decisions, wasn't it? Big, not big finish for Colazzo early on in that minimum weight fight. But uh, other than that, I think the girls fight went the distance, and the fight that we sold as well went the distance, didn't it? I think uh, Darius Fulham that went the distance too. Mm. So uh, there you go, boxing this weekend. Um, lots of uh, decent stuff. Lots of not so decent stuff. Lots of talking points, and I'm sure you've got your own thought process of uh, of how stuff played out at the weekend, of which you can get stuck into. So please do so. Um, you can do it via our website, uh, fightdisciples.com. If you need an audio feed, go and get yourself stuck into that, and uh, via our YouTube as well, Fight uh, Disciples uh, on YouTube. This week it is light heavyweights in Great Britain. That's right, Buatsi Aziz having a little bit of a go at each other. Adam Azim as well is going to be in action. Um, looking forward to this. I'm sure if you are, if you're coming out, you bought a ticket and you're on your way to Wembley uh, this weekend. Uh, I'll uh, I'll see you down there because I think it's going to be a tasty, tasty fight. I can't see it not living up to our expectation, and that is mainly because of the style of Dan Aziz. I think he's just going to have it, and he's going to force Boatsy to have a fight, of which he's going to be great to watch, isn't it? It's going to be great to watch. Yeah. So that's all coming. Go Could well be a fight of the year contender. <clears throat> Could well so. be a fight of the year contender. That's how excited I am about it. Cannot wait so. to see this fight. Uh, we'll give you a full preview. We'll do it a little bit. Might do it a little bit earlier this week. Seems that we've got a, a few little bits and bats on uh, with the UFC. 
bit of British interest in the UFC as well. We'll have a, a preview show for the UFC coming up a little later on this week as well. Uh, thank you very much for tuning in. We'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, subscribe via iTunes.